From NBC5 Chicago, this is the Illinois Voters Guide. I'm Phil Rogers. Today, political editor Carol Marine and political reporter Marianne Ahern on the proposed constitutional amendment for a graduated income tax in Illinois. Carol and Marianne, the most hotly contested race in Illinois does not have human candidates attached. It's the first amendment to the state constitution since 1998. Carol, Governor Pritzker made this a cornerstone of his campaign. Why does he want this so much? Because he believes, and I, I think he actually does believe, that this is a fairer way to tax a large, the largest group of taxpayers. Um, and it also does well for him because as a billionaire, he is more susceptible to more taxes by virtue of it. And so he's not part of the exclusion, you know, the sort of wealthy exclusion. And so from an image standpoint, but I think also if you are a progressive Democrat, call yourself that, this is the kind of tax that you believe is fairer. But now we should point out uh, some of the nuts and bolts here. Instead of one flat rate, it's currently 4.95% for all the people of Illinois. This amendment would immediately create six new tax rates from 4.75% to 7.99%. Now they insist that only people making more than a quarter of a million dollars are going to really get hit hard in this. Um, Carol, the, the, the devil is in the details. Um, do, do, you, do you buy that? The, I think there is a, a, a strong argument for it. If I were a cabillionaire, I might say there isn't. I myself do not call this what Governor Prisker calls it, a fair tax. That's his characterization. I don't call it an unfair tax. The opposition calls it that. It's a graduated income tax. And the argument is that it is, it is more proportional. And I should hasten to add, and this is whether you like it or you don't, the fear tactic about it is that it's going to tax the retirement income of senior citizens. It does not. That's something the General Assembly could do all by itself and is, has been loath to do. The General Assembly itself can raise tax rates without this graduated income tax. This is simply a way to, to spread out the responsibility and create some proportionality. Now, Marianne, this has created really unusual bedfellows in Illinois. Uh, it's almost impossible to get away from the barrage of television commercials. If she lived in Wisconsin, she'd pay a lower tax rate than millionaires. In Iowa, so would he, but not in Illinois, because we have one of the most unfair tax systems in America. We're Millions have been spent on this. Illinois politicians say they want a new tax on the rich. But actually, their spending promises mean raising taxes on the typical family by up to $3,500 per year. And uh, who are the players here? 
Well, almost 100 million. It's amazing. Yes, it is the issue on the ballot. And we are seeing J.B. Pritzker spend 56 million of his own money, his part of his fortune. Now we learn this week that his cousin, Jennifer Pritzker, is putting in measly 500, you might say. But hey, still 500,000 for the opposition. Ken Griffin has put in nearly 50 million, somewhere close. He's done two big donations against the tax. And it is definitely lining up bad, uh, different bedfellows, whatever you want to call it, because the ads have been quite, uh, quite amazing. And it leaves a lot of people wondering, what should I do? More and more Illinoisans, more and more small business owners, more and more farmers will find themselves paying higher taxes than they are right now. Who do I believe? We're one of the only states where everyone is forced to pay the same tax rate. Passing the fair tax will change that. 97% of Illinoisans would pay the same or less in taxes. Carol mentioned the retirement tax. That is the new uh, dig on this tax, the new way to sort of question whether or not it's a good idea to have a graduated income tax. Part of that is 32 states that have a graduated income tax also do tax retirement income. Therefore, it is not a crazy, you know, A follows B follows C to think that perhaps that might happen here. However, it doesn't tax everyone's retirement income. It only taxes the retirement income of people who are making six figures in retirement income. So it's not grandma and grandpa who worked at the post office who are going to be susceptible to it. And, and speaking of the math, and I, I happen to love this, as Marianne points out, roughly 100 million or more has been spent by the various forces for and against it. There are just 121 words in this amendment. About a million dollars a word, pro or con, have been thrown at either fighting or supporting this. So this is the, you know, the people who are really winning in this are the advertisers, the television stations, the radio stations who are picking up the profits from the investment in the commercials. Yeah, that, that $100 million plus would certainly uh, make a nice little dent in some of the state's debt if they just would go ahead and just throw it into the state coffers. And in the meantime, we mentioned the people that are the players here. Uh, Ken Griffin, uh, the chief opponent, uh, worth $15 billion, according to Forbes. Jennifer Pritzker, who threw in her own $500,000, worth $1.9 billion, according to Forbes and Carol. They say they're doing this for the common man and all the little folks that need help. I'm not here to undermine their sincerity. The Center for Tax Accountability, Budget and Tax Accountability, Ralph Martiri's group, sees this as a fairer, more progressive way to approach taxation. Uh, if, and we can argue the pros and cons of this. It's the fear tactics that really are disturbing though. It's the fear tactics that basically say some mom and pop retirement couple is going to get nailed on this and there is nothing in the amendment that says that. And 
Illinois lawmakers have not wanted to go near a retirement tax. And so some of the things we have to do is separate the fact from the fiction. Could they ultimately go back and do it? Sure, they always could. Um, but this is this is the, the tricky thing. And it is believed to net more money for the state of Illinois. And it won't solve all of Illinois' problems because after all, we have a hideous budget deficit. The state has 7.8 billion dollars in unpaid bills. I think, you know, J.B. Prisker could pay that debt if he wanted to personally. But the fact of the matter is, he hasn't yeah, offered to do that. He hasn't offered to do that. He, but he has put 56 million into um, into into these commercials. I think the voters are smart, but I think the voters are frightened by these ads. And that is a really hard thing to watch and not try to decode somehow. This has become sort of an anti-Pritzker test to see if they can stop Pritzker on this proposal that he has promised since he was elected then there would be an opening to say, see, he's not quite as strong as everyone thinks he is. So there is some of that going on, not just anti-tax, but this is a, a political, let's face it, it's a, it's a political fight. Well, but Marianne, does, does the GOP walk a narrow line here because so many of their constituents are right in the target group that Pritzker says this is going to benefit. Wealthier people can pay more and middle class and working class people can pay less. That is what this amendment does. That is it. For sure. And and what they're also saying is where are your budget cuts? Where are how are you making structural changes? Why are you always looking for more money, more spending money? But when you talk tax and there isn't also coupled with it, some other measures that show that you're going after how to reduce the spending. That is what I believe the Republicans are saying, wait, 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 we're not going to be for this. Marianne, there is one argument the opponents make, that this is the camel getting its nose under the tent that this will give future legislators the power to increase taxes willy-nilly on everyone and to create new tax brackets and it'll be Katie bar the door that maybe they will even concede that maybe this is what it is right now, but boy, you are just really giving them an open cash register. Is there merit to that? That is the one argument that I do not believe there is strong merit to, because if they want to, and we have seen them do this, during Pat Quinn's administration, there was a, a tax income tax hike. It then was short-lived, a couple of years helped pay the capital bill. So you can raise the income tax when you want to raise the income tax. Of course, it takes a vote of the lawmakers to do so. You know, the camel's nose has been hanging around the tent for as long as we've been reporting on this stuff. As Marianne points out, that was 2011 when Quinn had a so-called temporary hike from 3 to 5% in the state because the state faced a massive shortfall. Three years later, that rate automatically dropped to 3.75. 
And then in 2017, it went back up. We've been on this roller coaster before, and there is nothing about this amendment that says we will not be on it the next time. It, you know, so again, I think there is a kind of hysteria around this. This particular tax would tax those people making a quarter of a million dollars or more at a higher rate than they currently are being taxed. And then it goes up from there um, to more like a corporate tax. A million and over would be taxed at 7.99. Uh, but for those by and large making under $100,000, there's no effect at all. This is just putting right what has been wrong for now 50 years. when people need health care, when people need social services more than ever before, that this is in fact the time when we need to provide those services and pay the bills. Carol, let me, let me raise two of the issues the opponents bring up. Number one, the fact that the guys down in Springfield, the guys and gals in Springfield are not necessarily the greatest financial wizards in the world. And in the past, they've been shown to take buckets full of money and not spend them in the wisest ways. Well, nothing's going to change about that. And that is a bipartisan uh, problem with our lawmakers who we have seen over the decades uh, pass retirement provisions for their own retirements cost of living increases for their own circumstances, spent money on projects that were ill-defined or ill-intended. Yes, that happens. So what do you do? You turn to the fiscal watchdogs that you think might have some credibility. And you weigh what the Civic Federation might say versus the tax accountability and budget folks. Um, there are there are only a few people in Springfield who I think really know the numbers and we can go to. The second argument the opponents make is that the money that's going to be raised from this is really a drop in the bucket compared to the massive debt the state faces and that enormous unfunded pension liability and that this doesn't really address that. And if they really wanted to do a constitutional amendment, they'd do something to structure the way the state's debt is attacked. Well, and I think, Phil, what you're saying by extension is go do a constitutional amendment and revise the pension formulas. And, and that is what I hear most often. And that is what is probably most problematic in terms of being constitutional. So you're right. This is a drop in the bucket. And it doesn't alleviate uh, so many of our pressing problems. But there aren't many proposals on the, the public's plate to examine that does. And so this is going to have to be fixing Illinois' fiscal mess is going to require incremental solutions. This may or may not be, depending upon how you feel about it, one of them, but one of the threats that loom, and this is another scare tactic, but maybe one that is realized, is if this does not pass, then Illinois keeps a flat tax, and that flat tax goes up 
radically. And if it does, it more than likely hurts black and brown people. And can I just add this? There is a, a nonpartisan institute on taxation and economic policy. And what they basically argue is if this Pritzker tax had been in place 20 years ago, black and brown people would have not been so radically disadvantaged and the state would have gained a vast amount of, of capital as a result. You, you can accept it or you can not accept it. But the fact of the matter is that people who are not don't belong on either side of the aisle think there is an argument for a graduated system. Marianne, the biggest argument they make after all of those other number crunching arguments, the opponents will say, this is just going to be one more thing that's going to run people out of Illinois. Yes, they believe that this will drive business elsewhere. I think that's still a huge question. I do think the argument of at a, during a pandemic, as so many are nervous about their jobs and their futures, and will small business survive, that might be a stronger argument of, is this good timing? And yet they're going to say, hey, of course it's good timing. It, 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 uh, it couldn't be any worse timing to not have a graduated tax. But that part of it is what small business owners are saying is, hey, we're barely making it right now, and you're going to change up the tax structure. Uh, uh, please, we, we've got enough on our plate. But to punt it to the next year or two years from now, that that <laughs> that is not what Pritzker has on his agenda for this for the state's future. It isn't easy to pass a constitutional amendment. What is required is 60% of those voting on the question are more than 50% of everyone casting a ballot in the election. So it this is not a slam dunk. And that is why all of this money is being spent and why it is this issue that has people sort of uh, wondering, okay, where's this going to go in these final days? And then if it doesn't pass, what happens? So that is, uh, you know, that's something we've got to watch closely. We could have folks who perhaps are voting for Biden and voting against this tax or vice versa. It is. It clearly is one of those issues that may not just be, as we are such a blue state, I think this one's going to be a lot closer than how we see the presidential election turnout. And I think Marianne is exactly right. I think that, uh, you know, I talked to a lobbyist who works out of Springfield, uh, and he's a, a Democratic lobbyist who works with um, the more progressive lawmakers versus the conservative ones. And he said, this thing is dead. Um, now, I don't know if he's right or not, but but there are an awful lot of people who believe that it is close enough that it it's a jump ball. Carol Marie, Marianne Ahern, I know your work is expanding exponentially as we approach these last weeks before the election. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. As Carol observed, the description of the amendment on your Illinois ballot is not especially detailed. 
merely advises that if approved, the amendment would give the state authority to impose higher tax rates on higher income levels and would remove the existing flat tax. The language on the ballot points out that the amendment itself does not change tax rates. It merely gives the state the right to do that. This has been the Illinois Voters Guide, your source for information on Decision 2020. Carol Marine and Marianne Ahern, I'm Phil Rogers.